Hi and welcome to the Church Unlimited podcast. Church Unlimited is a vibrant, Bible-based church in North Lakes, Queensland that is passionate about helping people discover the genuine love of Jesus. If you are currently looking for a new home church, we'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship at either our 10am or 4pm service. For more information about our Sunday service or to find out how we can best help you, head to our website at churchunlimited.com.au. We hope you enjoy this great message from Sunday service. Easter, I don't think you ever find a better evidence that God is the God of today and tomorrow. God is the God of where I'm at right now and the God of where I'm going. God is the God of the cross and the resurrection. And we can take a whole lot of comfort in that, knowing that no matter what situation we're in, no matter what's happening in my life right now, God is the God of today. But His promises are yes and amen tomorrow as well. And that's why we celebrate. That's why Good Friday can be Good Friday because we're looking towards everything that Jesus has done. And I kind of already feel that Pastor James has taken about half of my content and preached it to you. Um, no, it's fine. It's great. I'll, so I'm going to have round two today. I believe that as ooh, tag team. I believe that God's got something that's going to challenge you and encourage you today uh, because I'm believing that God wants to do something in your life. He wants to Let's just transform where you're at right now. He wants to take you from where you're at into a new life in him. You know, recently, I got to spend a little bit of time at home. About a week, you can figure out why if you want. Um, but I thought while I was at home, I'm going to do some gardening. And so I enacted my typical gardening strategy. I call it scorched earth. Um, because, And I found a new purpose in my life at the same time. Uh, you know, I used to think it was Golden Cane Park. It's now bamboo. <laughs> and so as I was in the midst of my gardening, scorched earth, laying waste to every living plant that I could find within reach of my brushwork, um, I realised something. I hate gardening. I absolutely hate it. <laughs> Joe, Joe says to me every time I start gardening, Dan, have you taken your antihistamines yet? Dan, have you taken the pills? Uh, because... I'm just like, I don't know if it's the, the living plants, I don't know if it's the grass, I don't know if it's the, just I'm allergic to hard work, but every time I start gardening, I'm like running a race against the clock to see how much I can get done before the, like the hives and the rash just become so annoying that I've got to stop. And so I'm in the midst, and I'm, I'm, I'm contemplating this tree that I'm gradually trying to cut down with this poxy little pulse or like branch at a time. And um, I'm racing against the irritation of the allergies and my, my upper body strength, which seems to be lacking in just the general enthusiasm of the gardening. And I realise I despise gardening every time I do it. But it's like I forget. Because then next week, I'll be like, I'm going to go out and do some gardening on Saturday. And, um, and then I stay in it as long as I can, because while I'm gardening, I realise that it's if I don't get this done today, I'm going to have to come back and do it next week as well. So I'm just, even now, right, right now, my whole garden is just full of branches and, and leaves and bamboo and on the ground. And I know I'm going to have to come back and mulch it and cut it up and take it to the tip and it's just irritating. I hate it, but I still I keep on doing it because apparently the end result is worth it. And to be honest, I'm not even sure about that because I don't love gardens in any form. <laughs> but I was, I was struck as I was contemplating the serious things up to Good Friday, um, 
how good I am at forgetting or glossing over or moving beyond the process that it takes to get to the goal we're heading towards. I'm so good at forgetting the difficulties that I have to walk through to get to where I want to go. I'm so good at forgetting the hardship ahead of me. And so that's why I put it out there. Some gardening right now. Oh, but it's, I think it's a part of us as humanity as well. Um, we are really good at forgetting the process because we are in love with the outcome. Um, I've just bought my third house to my friend. I've got to pull up about 100 square meters of tiles, and I hate it every time. But I've just bought a house knowing that I've got weeks of work ahead of me just sitting there chipping up tiles. I forgot the process because I loved the idea of the outcome. Uh, if you want, there's no greater evidence of people loving the outcome more than the process of the fact that people have more than one child in their family. Uh, <laughs> I mean, think about it. I mean, the idea of a sweet little baby is fantastic. The journey to that is just evidence that God is good <laughs> and that we are good at forgetting what it takes to get there. I mean, but there's this whole, there's even this whole social media trend. There was, the fact that I know about it means it was probably a trend about two years ago now. But now it's shown up on my Instagram reels. And it's this thing where they show like, all right, you know, maybe I'm going to renovate my kitchen. And I show you my old kitchen and I pan around. And then it says, can we skip to the good part? And suddenly all, all the hard work's done and there's just this beautiful, that's what it's like every time I go to the Hensley's house. You know, I just get to skip to the good part. I don't have to see all the hard work that goes into to a house being renovated. I just get to enjoy the outcome. But we show the start and then we just want to, let's just skip to the good part. Because sure, I know hard work happened. I know that it took a lot of pain and effort. It took a lot of cost. But to be honest, I don't want to tell everybody about that. I just want to show you the outcome yeah. that's happened. I just want to show you the, the results. I want to make it seem like it was easy, almost miraculous, you know? Easy gain, zero pain. That's the way I like to talk about my life. That's the way I like to think about what's going to happen. But, you know, it's actually the hard parts that bring value to the story. Because if anybody could have baby number four, they'd do it, sure. But it takes a certain amount of God's grace upon your life for a formed child. Anybody could have a renovated kitchen, but you've got to actually commit to doing the work. It's in the moments of struggle and pain that something of real value is actually created and found. It's in the, the difficulty. It's in the fortitude. It's in the, the discipline to continue through that we actually see something of value created. You know, I, I love... There's been a whole bunch of babies being born in, in and around our church, right? And I love seeing all the little cute pictures of fashionable babies, you know, in pastels and neutral tones, just being shown off, looking beautiful and giggling. But, you know, anybody can celebrate a cute picture of a baby. And, that's, and the mother's love for a child isn't shown in posing that photo. It's actually, you know, a mum's love for a child is actually shown in the long nights and the care and the comforting and the holding on to even when you probably don't want to sometimes. You know, love isn't found in the pictures, it's found in the nights as I'm holding on to and loving and caring for this gift that God has given me. Anybody can celebrate good times. And to be honest, no mums will rush. I am yet to have seen a mum that real that she's like, you know what, here's a candid photo of me, for I am. <laughs> I've, I've included audio because the baby's still screaming. No, we don't, we don't need to tell everybody that. 
but you've got to, I've, I've got to tell you, anytime you see a mum with a baby, you've got to know that there's been nights like that that have happened. Yeah, that's right. And it's just build a greater love and a greater commitment and a greater value. It's not in the insta-worthy moments. It's in the depths of a mum's love as she's caring for her child. So today, on this Easter weekend, I don't want to just gloss over Good Friday. I don't want to just skip ahead to the good parts. I want to take a little moment to look and see and understand everything that God has done for me. Because there's meaning here. There's love here. There's, there's value here like you've never seen before. On this day, our Good Friday, I think it's a day that we most clearly see God's love poured out for you and for me, for all of us. Good Friday. I mean, just like Pastor James said, it is such a strange name, right? Good Friday for the day that we remember that Jesus Christ died for our sins. Good Friday when everything that happened was so far from good. We've, taken, we've literally taken the darkest chapter of Jesus' life and we've said it's a good day, right? Good day. <laughs> Today we celebrate our Savior. But for Jesus, far, far from a good day. Beaten and broken, whipped, ridiculed, hung naked on a cross, falsely accused in excruciating pain, thirst like you've ne never known before. He's been fighting for breath after breath after breath. Until at last, with a final prayer to his father, he says, it's finished. And he gives up his life for me. Darkness covers the earth. Today was not a good day for Jesus. I thought about Mary, his mother, sitting at the foot of the cross, watching, weeping as her, her baby, his body is being broken. This is, this is the child that she cared for. This is the son that she encouraged. This was the man that she was so proud of. And now she's watching his body being wrapped for burial. Today was not a good day for Mary. His disciples must have been heartbroken, confused. This was their Messiah. Just last week, they'd watched him ride into the city as the crowd shouted, Hosanna, glory to the King of Kings. But then just last night, it was the same crowds yelling, crucify him, crucify him. Can you imagine what was happening in their hearts, watching him die? watching him be buried, seeing their hopes buried with him. <laughs> For the disciples, today was not a good day. But we call it Good Friday because we know what comes tomorrow. We know that every promise is fulfilled. We get the opportunity to have already skipped to the good part of this story and we see the promises and we live in the promises. Friday is good because Resurrection Sunday Oh, it's already on its way. Friday is good because death was defeated for us and freedom was won for me. Friday is good because new life is promised for every person that would receive it. For me, it's a good day because I now live in the reality of everything that Jesus won for me. Good Friday is good because I live in the new life that I found in Jesus. I'm loved and accepted by the Father now because of Friday. I'm forgiven of all of my sin because of Friday. I'm blessed. I'm favored. You know, I'm called the Son of God. You're called the Son of God, the daughter of God, because of Good Friday. You're filled with His Spirit. You're accepted. You're forgiven. You're made new 
you are blessed and provided for. You're favored above any other. And this all flows out of everything that happened on Good Friday. You know, I'm so aware of all of this. But still, I have this tendency. It's just, I think it's how we work. Oh, Good Friday. I'll just, can I skip to celebrating on Sunday? Let's have a hot cross bun together. We'll remember it, but let's not look too closely. You know, they, they made the movie of The Passion of the Christ, and I've watched it a couple of times. But I'm not going back to watch it again and again, because to be honest, if I were to look too long at the reality of everything that Jesus had done for me, man, it's, it's challenging. It's confronting. There's a depth of love there that's almost difficult to look at. There's a reality there that makes me want to look away. You see, Friday means death, but Sunday means life. I love Sunday. Friday deals with my sin, but Sunday promises me salvation. I love Sunday. Friday confronts me, but Sunday it comforts me. It's even easy right now for me to preach about Friday and put it purely in the context of everything that is won on Sunday. It's so much harder to think of Sunday in the context of everything that was done for me on Friday. But I think it's as we look at Friday and as we understand it and we, and we read Sunday in the context of Good Friday that it had so much meaning and value because my life, this new life that I have in Christ was not bought cheaply. The forgiveness that I found was not won easily. Friday is beautiful because of the promise of Sunday, but to just brush over all that pain and that suffering and focus instead of the joy and resurrection Sunday could in fact almost cheapen the process that Jesus went through. So while it's confronting, there's so much value as we spend some time considering all that Jesus did for us on Good Friday. We'll see a love like you've never known before, a beauty that just transcends your understanding, a grace that abounds and a forgiveness that's for everyone. We can't just skip over Good Friday moments. Because these are the moments that add value to Resurrection Sunday. You know, I can understand though. I think there was even a moment in Jesus' life. It's very human and Jesus was a man. Where Jesus actually wanted to skip to the, the good part of Sunday, right? I was, I was picturing Jesus as he was, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying to his father. Let me, let me read it to you quickly. It's from Mark chapter 14, verse 32 to 36. It says, They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John along with him, and they be began to be deeply distressed and troubled. He said, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus knew what he'd come to do. The entire purpose of Jesus' life was that he would come, that he would die in our place, that he would be resurrected to new life, and he would win life and victory and forgiveness for every single one of us. But at this point in time, Jesus is approaching his crucifixion. He knows where he's going. He knows exactly what's ahead of him. And what does he do in anguish? He drops down and he prays, essentially saying, Dad, Dad, is there any other way? 
you know, I, I want the outcome, but to be honest, my flesh is crying out in anguish. Can we skip? Can, can we just do it a different way? Is there an easier way? Is there a different way? Another way to save the world. Another way to forgive man's sins. Another way to set everything right. If there's any other way, let's do it that way. But still, Dad, if there's no other way, it's okay. Not, not my will. Let your will be done. He cries out to his father, please, Dad, just not this way. But the reality was there was no other way. No other way that death could be defeated. No other way that sin could be forgiven. No other way that we could be restored and redeemed. There's no shortcut, no easier path. There's no way to get around the process that was in front of him. If there was, a good God would have done it. If there was, his loving father would have said, of course, son, let's just do this instead. But here, right at the beginning of the story, we see just the simple truth. There was no other way. There was no other way that Jesus could win life for us. There could be no life without first death. There was going to be no resurrection without his crucifixion. For us, no salvation without his sacrifice. There was no other way. And Jesus, he knew it to be true. And I see such beauty and strength in his response to the Father, where he says, Dad, not my will. Your will be done. Let's do it. And from that point, he picks up his cross and he begins to walk towards his own death. I love this moment. I'm in awe of this moment because I think here is love, real love. John chapter 15, verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You know, Jesus did that for me. He did it for you too. If you ever wonder, if you ever even wonder, the question drops across your heart, does God truly love me? Just look to the cross. See your Savior giving His life for you. See Him giving His life for you. And understand this. Nobody made Jesus do this. Nobody forced Jesus to give His life. He chose to walk through that moment for you. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't fear of the soldiers that surrounded Him. It wasn't the nails in His hands and feet that kept Jesus on the cross. It was His love for you, for me, that kept Him there. It was His love because He understood there is no other way for you to be restored. And so He freely, He willingly, He gladly paid the price so that we could find life in Him. This challenges me though because in the same way that Jesus couldn't bypass Good Friday, neither can we. There's a truth and a meaning that's just found in this moment that helps me understand God's love for each of us. And it teaches me what it means for me to love Him in return. You see, if we get too excited about Sunday and we rush past Friday too quickly, we might miss the power of a simple truth. There is no other way. And there still is. There's no other way for you or I as well. Because as true as this was for Jesus, it's just as true for every single one of us as well. There is no other way to be made right 
with God today. There's no resurrection without the cross. There's no salvation without sacrifice. There's no life without first my death. You know, earlier in Jesus' ministry, when the disciples asked, essentially, Jesus, how do we get to where you're going? How do I go to heaven? And to be honest, this is the question every single one of us is asking of God. God, how do I get to you? Jesus stood and he said in John 14, verse 5 and 6, he said, um, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In Luke 9, 23, he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. You see, we love the promise of forgiveness and eternal life and everything being set right. And we want to jump straight to that moment. Jesus, I just want to be with you. But we must remember that if Jesus is the way, then his path is our path. If Jesus is the way, I've got to follow him. I've got to live in him and I've got to do what he did. And the only way for me to find life is through that same journey of the cross. Every day as I take up my cross and follow him. Now, you probably are. Hold on. I'm not saying not saying that we all have to jump on a cross today. I'm not, I'm not talking about physical death. That would be a little bit much. Because Jesus died in my place. I don't have to suffer the way that he suffered because he did it for me. And the good news is no one of us needs to be crucified again. Jesus died once for all of our sins, past, present, future. It's all covered. But in Luke 9, 24 to 25, Jesus said, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for somebody to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their very self? There's only one way. There is only one way to find life. And it's by making the same choice that Jesus made that Good Friday. I'm going to choose to die to myself and choose to live in Christ instead. I'm not talking about physical death. I'm talking about a spiritual death. Dying to myself is dying to my will, dying to my way, dying to my best, and finding life in Jesus Christ. To find true life, I've got to lay my life down first. In the same way that Jesus submitted his life in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's where it began. I have to choose to lay down my will. To be honest, it goes against every part of what it means, I think, for me to be human. And it's, it's, I don't even like this idea because I'm good at being independent. Maybe you are too. I'm good at doing it my own way. Maybe you've lived like that sometimes. Doing it our own way, making it our own way. That's what sin is though, right? It's pride and it's sinful to think, I don't need God. I don't need what he did for me. I'll find another way to get to hell. I'll get there, but not your way. I'll try and get there my own way, right? I'll make my own way into heaven I'll make, or I'll make myself good enough that God will accept me. And that's every single person at one point in their life saying, I will do it my own way. But it never works because there's no other way, no other way than Jesus. You cannot do it your own way. You cannot earn enough. You cannot do enough. You cannot become enough. There is only the Jesus way. And each of us must reach a point where just like Jesus, 
think we have to have that honest conversation with God. God, if there's any other way. Doesn't this sound like us sometimes? God, if there's another way to do it, show me that way. I'll do it that way. God, if there's a way that I can make this on my own, just show me it and I'll do anything for you. God, show me how I can be enough and I can be good enough. Show me how I can change. And he says, you can't, there's no other way. The only way is Jesus. And so every single one of us off that conversation must reach a point where just like Jesus, we say, okay, if there was another way, I'd do it, but there isn't. So God, not my will, let your will be done in my life. Each of us needs to follow the example of Jesus in surrender, to lay aside our will, our desires, our independence, and say, well, not my will, God. In this moment, let your will be done. You see, Easter Sunday fills me, fills me with hope. But Good Friday confronts me with this simple truth. There is no other way. You know, I can take comfort from God's love for me, knowing that because of his love, he's already walked the path. He's already given his life. He's already laid down himself. And now he simply invites me, just like I did, would you do the same? Just like I gave my life to you, for you, would you give your life for me? Would you choose to willingly, because of love, lay your life down? He invites me and then simply allows me space to respond. And this is the point where every single one of us is at. God has invited us. Simply, would you respond? Not in the way that I would, but in the only way that works, by choosing to give my life to Christ today. Some of us have. Some of us are yet to. But can I encourage you? You, will, you can look and you can try, but you will find that there is no other way for Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody can come to the Father except through Him. In just a moment, we're going to share in communion together. We're going to remember His life poured out for every single one of us. And we're going to be grateful. We will celebrate because of the life that he has won for us. And we'll thank him for every single promise that is yes and amen. But as the band comes to join me on stage, let me read to you from John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? In a moment, we're going to eat the biscuit representative of his body broken for us. We'll drink the juice. His blood poured out for forgiveness of sins. We will declare our belief in him. And we will, as we do every day, choose to give our lives to him in humble submission. But before we do, I just want to ask one simple question. It's in fact the question that Jesus asked himself in that scripture that I just read. Let me read it to you one more time. He said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you 
believe this? Do you believe today? Do you believe that God created you? That he loves you? Do you believe that you need to receive his love and forgiveness? Do you believe that Jesus, Jesus gave his life for you? Do you believe that you need to respond to him today? There is only one way. There's no other way. And there is only one response today. Yes, I believe. Father, not my will. Let your will be done. I'm choosing to give my life to you. Now I'm aware that perhaps you're here today and you've not yet had the opportunity to respond to the love of God already poured out for you. You've not yet had a chance to receive everything that was won on your behalf. And if you haven't, in just a moment, before we share in communion together, I would like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. I'd like to lead you in a prayer, thanking Jesus for all that he's done, accepting his forgiveness and choosing to give your life to him today. Because there's no other way and there is no other response. I don't want you to leave here today without the opportunity to respond to the love of God shown so plainly in your Savior, giving his life for you on that cross some 2,000 years ago. So just as we sit here, would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes for a moment? As we pray, why don't you stand to your feet? And we'll all pray together. I'll lead you in a simple prayer. I'll just pray some and you repeat after me. And we'll we'll all pray together. Together we're going to, like we do every day, we're going to choose to lay down our life and find life in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love shown in Jesus on the cross. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for your new life. Come into my heart today. Fill me with your presence and your power and help me to live a life that pleases you. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, for those people today that chose for the first time to respond to your love, I just pray that this would be a moment of divine encounter. Lord, that they would that they would know your love and they would experience your love. Even now as we're praying, Lord, that you would be speaking to them, that you would be transforming their life, filling them with your presence. Lord, I just pray new peace and new joy over their lives. Lord, we celebrate everything that you have done and we're so grateful for you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that you enjoyed this message. We pray that you and your family are richly blessed by the love and grace of Jesus. If you're ever in the area, we would love for you to join us for Sunday worship.